What is up, After Hours Entrepreneurs? Welcome to the show. Today's episode is extremely timely, I think. As we're going into 2021, I think it's really important that we as business owners, as side hustlers, as After Hours Entrepreneurs, are starting to look at different ways to stand out online. That That's become the name of the game. How do I stand out? How do I make noise? Platforms are starting to get saturated. How can I stand out? There's always new features and new widgets to play with. So it can be a really difficult time, but Matt here is joining the show and he's gonna be talking about his podcast and his book, Micro Famous. I think it's a really, really interesting topic. I think it's a really, really important topic. I think that everyone needs to be thinking about ways to build a personal brand, standing out online. And that's what today's episode is all about. If you have been thinking about how can I stand out in 2021 and beyond, this episode is for you. And speaking of which, one of the things that I would really love to do, and I'm really wanting to focus on in this upcoming year, is engagement with you, with the listeners, with the audience. So send me an email, mark at marksavantmedia.com. I'd love to schedule a phone call with you. I want to hear your feedback on the show, what you like, what you don't like, answer any questions you might have. And uh, are you growing your business? Do you have questions about what's happening with your platform? Let me know. I would love to chat with you and just get to know you and your needs a little bit better. All right, with all that said, hit me up, mark at marksavantmedia.com. We'll set up a meeting. And in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Matt Johnson from the Microfamous Podcast. Matt Johnson, welcome to the show. What's going on, Mark? Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. It's my pleasure, Matt. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today, which is podcasting, <laughs> social media, marketing, getting noticed online. So I want to kind of back it up. I want to go back a few years and ask you, why did you decide to get started in podcasting? Well, I got pulled into it. So I was, uh, I come at it from the coaching consulting perspective and uh, I was running at my old agency. I was running Google Hangouts with some of the influencers and strategic relationships for that agency. And I got the opportunity to start hosting those with those shows and ask good questions. And like, I'm intellectually curious, I like to read and stuff like that. And uh, a couple months into that process, one of the guys that I was hosting the Hangouts with just called me up one day and said, dude, we have a great time. We should start a podcast. Like, I want to sell more coaching. You want to get into like doing info products. We'll go in 50-50 together. It'd be awesome. That was the entire business plan. Um, and so uh, I ended up, so we ended up starting like a coaching business together. And uh, what year was this? The, so this would have been 2015, early okay. 2015. Um, so that show is called Real Estate Uncensored. Uh, so today that's still going. I host that and I drop into the show about every Friday and still co-host that. Uh, we're at like a million and a half downloads um, and just made like I don't know, number three on some random list of the top real estate uh, you know, agent podcast or whatever. So anyway, did, point being, it did really well. It was fun. However, um, I ended up starting and getting involved in other coaching consulting businesses. I was a partner, had equity uh, in, in a couple of other businesses, started the podcast to promote those, and then started to realize that like out of all the universe of things that I could do to promote a coaching consulting company, podcasting was the best thing. Mm. And I kept having more coaches and more thought leaders come to me and say like, hey, I see what you're doing. You know, can, can I rent your podcast production team when they're not doing your shows. And so I did that for a while. And then that broke the more people we dumped into that. And then finally, I got pulled into just being an agency owner. And I, I gave up my equity stakes in the other businesses that I was in, and just basically went all in on focusing on podcast production. And then I still have a, um, an ownership stake in the real estate team that we built off that first podcast. So we have like, 150 agents or something like that between the US and Australia uh, that were re recruited over the years through that show. Um, and so we make a small cut off of their commission. So that like show basically generates passive income, which is nice. 
Love that. Love that. So yeah. you started in in 2015 and it, it's kind of funny what happens when you start trying new things, getting comfortable with discomfort. It's, it's amazing where life is going to take you. And, and that's mm -hmm. one of the big reasons I'm a huge fan of, of particularly video podcasting right now, because it's a really powerful way of building your network, your authority and your attention in any given space. But I want to talk, I want to talk a little bit about the people out there that are like, they're kind of on the fence, like, you know, what, maybe I'll give podcasting a try. What are three tips that you would give someone when they're first starting out, Matt? Uh, well, number one, go get featured first. So that'll, that'll teach you a lot and you'll learn a lot. And you'll also be able to clarify your messaging quite a bit just by watching what podcast hosts respond to watching what people say when they reach out to you, once they've heard you and, and the things that your own social media audience responds to when you talk about those appearances. What do you and, mean uh, by featured? If you could just expand on that a little bit. Yeah, but just exactly what we're doing now, just go out and, and get interviewed as a guest gotcha. on other podcasts. Yeah. Yep. So going, going, getting, getting featured, getting interviewed. Um, so that's number one. That's the, the place where I tell everyone to start. The second thing is, uh, use podcasting as your prompts for your social media. And what I mean by that is whether you host a podcast or whether you're the guest, think about your social media in terms of taking chunks out or using it as a jump on, jumping off point mm -hmm. so that you're not coming up with stuff from, for social media from scratch. You are using the podcast interviews you've been featured on or episodes of your own show to form the basis of what you talk about on social media. So rather than waking up every day and going like, hey, what am I going to post up to my Instagram stories today? Go back and say, okay, well, what, you know, which podcast interview did I have released last week on somebody else's show? What were some of the interesting questions that they asked me that I could in turn ask my audience, for example? Um, so like I, I post on LinkedIn three, three days a week. And what I've started doing is the LinkedIn post is based around the most interesting, juicy question that I can pull out of whatever piece of content I'm promoting. So whether it's my own episode or an episode where I was the guest, I just pull out the most juicy question I can find in that conversation. And that's what the LinkedIn post is built around. And then it's a, like, hey, if you enjoyed that, that's what we talked about on this episode. Go check it out here. So it gives me this jumping off point. So like I, I sat down and wrote my LinkedIn content the other day. It took me like 20 minutes uh, because I wasn't thinking of stuff from scratch. I was looking back over my podcast interviews and my episodes of my own show that were coming out. And I was using that as a jumping off point for the social media. So those are, those are probably the, the best tips that I can give for, uh, for podcasting right now. Well, I'm, I'm, and I'm definitely a huge believer in that because you can take a 30 minute conversation and create so many different ideas and pieces of content. And this is something that I want to talk about because we have a different kind of uh, ideology, if you would, when it comes to social media, because what me and my team do over here uh, at the After Hours Entrepreneur is we take a 30 minute video and then we cut it up into maybe three dozen different pieces of content from yeah. images to audio experiences to video. We post it everywhere, post it all over the place, right? Um, but you, one of the things that you really focus on is, is telling people, hey, listen, you, you don't need to ride the social media hamster wheel to be a successful <laughs> business owner, successful coach. So expand a little yeah. bit on that, Matt, for me. Well, I watched it in action, so that helps. Um, I mean, I've got multiple clients that uh, I'll give you a couple examples. I've, I've worked with two guys over the years that run seven-figure real estate teams. So they net a million dollars a year off their real estate team. Then they start a multi-six or seven-figure coaching consulting business stacked on top of that. Very little social media presence, super small email lists, right? Uh, and they're not those guys that are active on social media at all. Like they're focused on running their primary business. So the coaching consulting business needs to grow in a way that doesn't take them away from the goose that lays the golden egg, which is their real estate teams in this case. 
And they're both really, really successful and built their coaching businesses in, in relatively short periods of time. The way that they did it is by getting featured as a guest on podcasts and then eventually launching their own podcast. And so they're reaching new people consistently, but they're not having to use social media as the primary way to get there. And for the most part, each of them, if they're even active on social media at all, they're active very, very strategically in one place. And, and for them, that's Facebook because that's where they're, the rest of their friends and colleagues are. So they don't worry about being active on LinkedIn. They're not worried about building, you know, big Instagram audiences. They're not, they're definitely not worried about TikTok. Like most of my clients, you couldn't, you couldn't pay them to be on TikTok. Um, but the point being, you know, the, the social media has just changed so much, uh, you know, since, since Gary Vee's book Crush It came out. And if you look up things like Facebook organic reach, you know, it's just a bunch of angry looking graphs that go down to the right. It's, it's not, it's not a pretty picture. Um, essentially you reach about the same one to 5% of your social media audience with any given post. And most of the time it's the same people that engage with your last post. And, uh, it's, it's hard to break out of that cycle unless you're really, really committed to being engaged and active on that platform. And just most of the people that I work with are, they're already running some other business. They don't have time to to do all the things that that is necessary to run that business plus grow their thought leadership business and be active on social media all the time so they really just need to focus on one place where they're going to build like a sense of community and connection with their audience and be there and then you know like we'll take care of the posting in other places and stuff but uh, social media has changed to the point where just just posting content you know, the post and run strategy doesn't work like it did when Grant Cardone was posting something to Twitter every 17 seconds. Like that strategy just doesn't work anymore. Uh, you have to be engaged. So the question is, where are you going to be engaged? And do you realistic, you know, realistically have time to be engaged in more than one place? And my clients just don't. So we just encourage them like, hey, find your one place where you're active. We'll support you in promoting the podcast there. And we'll take care of the other places so you have a presence there. And that's fine. But just focus on being active and engaged in one place. So this is an interesting, an interesting point. It's an interesting point of view because I, I definitely agree with you, Matt, that engagement is what you need to be focused on in social media because great, you get 100 likes on your post, but if it doesn't actually convert to any sort of uh, value to, to you, what is your actually return? And, and you also touched on a really important point there that you know a lot of people I find are so committed to Facebook, 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 but when you're not actually creating engagement there because the organic reach drops substantially, you're in big trouble. I mean, quite frankly, right now, I'm having a ton of success on LinkedIn. I'm meeting a ton mm -hmm. of people on a daily basis. Like every, legitimately every single night that I go to sleep, I know I'm going to wake up with at least three to five DMs from people that on LinkedIn that, you know, want to connect in some way, mm -hmm. in some form. So what do you mm -hmm. say to the people that say, hey, I'm all in on Facebook. That's what I'm going to do. But if, if you get censored or the organic reach tanks, well, what do they do? Mm -hmm. They might lose their top of market funnel, their top of line funnel. How do we, how do we avoid that? Mm. Well, you can hedge your, you can hedge your bets a little bit by making sure the content's going out on other platforms just mm -hmm. to kind of keep that warm. So if your, your primary market, uh, your primary social platform just tanks or for some reason, you know, whatever, something happens to it, you have something to shift over to. But I think the ultimate security at the end of the day is a couple of things. Number one, it is your network of relationships with the strategic referral partners that are in your industry to where if you lost your social platform today, you could just go and get access to other people's social platforms because you have the relationships with all these other people where you can call them up and just say like, hey, can you have me on your podcast or your Facebook Live? 
right? I want to see, you know, I want to yeah. speak to your audience. And then you've, you've got these, this group of people that has influence and relationships with your audience that gives you an automatic yes, because you've been building relationships with them for three, four or five years. So I'm fortunate to have that. And the other thing is your email list, right? So you're wanting to move people off of Facebook and those social platforms into your email list. You have the right to contact them outside of social media anyway. That way, if something does happen to your social platform, you can contact them another way. Um, and we would just watch this happen like this summer, a whole bunch of, you know, highly influential thought leaders got attacked online to the point where Marie Forleo, for instance, completely shut down her Facebook group. Wow. And I mean, yeah, initially she was like, she got attacked so bad. She thought she was going to initially turn the keys over to some of the people in the Facebook group and let them continue on without her. And then she just finally said, nope, shutting it down. Bam. Facebook group gone. And just the only way that she could do that, I mean, granted, there was political reasons for it, uh, for, for the reason why she was attacked and the reason why she shut down the Facebook group. But the reason why she had the freedom to do that and know that her business wouldn't take a massive hit is because she knew that she'd been moving those people into her email list and had the right to contact them another way. Yeah. And so whatever other platform she decides to move on to, she can let those people know through email. Yeah. So that's your security. Well, social media is definitely rented land and something, again, mm -hmm. it's really easy to get caught up in that hamster wheel of, I'm just going to create, 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 but you need to find ways to actually move them into, like you said, your email. So I'm kind of curious as someone who's mm -hmm. somewhat of a veteran podcast, you've been in the field for over, uh, for over five years, millions of downloads. How would you recommend a podcaster actually gets people from listening to engaging with you in your email list? How can we do that? Well, a couple of things. I think the the best way to do that is to have a email nurture system, like a series of emails that goes out. So when somebody does come into your email list for the first time, mm -hmm. they get nurtured strategically and get exposed to the right set of episodes first or whatever, whatever else your content is. Now, a lot of my clients and friends and stuff like that are authors. So their emails will hit on their book, like they'll pull out chunks of their content in the book or whatever. There's a lot of different ways to slice the uh, to slice it. But making sure that it look, if you're trying to get more engagement out of your email list, make sure that you're putting your best foot forward when someone gets into your email list for the first time. And I find that a lot of people just think like, hey, I've got I've got something going out every week. So I just add people to my email list. And then whatever next podcast episode I come out is going to be just fine. Um, and if you have nothing else, that is fine. But if you can go that one step further, you know, I was just reading and um, like going back through uh, Ryan Holiday's book on growth hacking. And he talks about for the Daily Stoic, like they have a scripted seven day email sequence that goes out when somebody signs up with their email list. It's probably longer now. Um, I know people that have year long email sequences, but the bottom line is they, they control the experience when someone first joins their email list and they make sure that they put their best foot forward. To me, that's the best way to do it. Uh, and then just the, that combination of having, um, the, the engagement with your email list a lot of times comes from sending emails that just aren't training and value. It's giving people permission, giving people a new sense of identity by them joining in the podcast with you and then asking for feedback. Yeah. And so one of, one of my clients in her email nurture system, part of her emails are, are asking for replies and saying, hey, have you ever thought about this? Like reply back and let me know X. And yeah. she gets, you know, wakes up every day to new replies back to what is essentially a canned email that she wrote three years ago. Well, that does all kinds of technical things like raise your deliverability and all that's fine. But more importantly, it actually gets people engaged and it gets people in your email list talking to you. And then you can start a real conversation. That's what leads to more fitting calls and more sales. So that's something that is, is I think, really, 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 
really, really, really, I could say really a, a few more times, but it, that's a really important thing is getting people actually reply back to your emails. Like you said, it improves your deliverability, um, but it, it really helps you to, to develop that connection with the person on the other end. This is something that Pat Flynn bought up in my conversation with him a few weeks ago. It's, it's just a really powerful way of, of keeping that engagement up because at the end of the day, that email is something that you own. It's an asset. It gives you a direct link to your fans, to your clients, to your consumers. Really, really powerful. And I really like this idea. This isn't something that I've actually heard a lot, Matt. It's not something that I've thought about a lot, but you don't need to be so focused on being on social media as long as you have the network so that you can kind of piggyback off of other people, mm. other influencers. That's Hey, Mark here. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show. Make sure that you subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe right now. You do not want to miss the fresh episodes that are coming to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All right, let's get back in this episode with Matt Johnson. It's about to get good. That's interesting. Are there any other like really, really important topics that you bring up in your book, Micro Famous? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, the point of all this, especially being on social media, getting interviewed on podcasts and your own podcast, I, I think there's a there's a huge misperception out there that it, it, the goal is to just be in front of people and just to be top of mind. Yeah. And to me, being top of mind without a clear and compelling idea ends up being a lot of wasted effort. And what and a clear and compelling idea is your message. It's the entire one to two sentence summation of what your business is and why you exist and what you do, right? So for me, like the clear and compelling idea of my agency is, you know, in one sentence, it's done for you podcasting for coaches, consultant, thought leaders. So when the right person hears that, like, especially five years ago, done for you podcasting for that market did not exist. And so when I would hop onto a call with somebody, regardless of what it was, or when I would have them on my show, and they would ask me what I did, and I delivered that one sentence very, very clear, compelling idea. The response was, holy cow, like that exists. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, we need to talk about this. You know, let's schedule a follow-up conversation. And I'm sure you've gotten that same response because right. we, we serve similar markets. Um, what most coaches, consultants, and thought leaders don't realize is that what they do most of the time is when somebody asks them what they do, it, it starts with the word, well, mm. and then right, they're right then you're sunk because you, you just, you, it's the start of a one paragraph thing that isn't really clear and it isn't compelling to exactly the right person that they want to work with. And so all the marketing stuff that we do, to me, all needs to be framed around reinforcing and finding a thousand different ways to say the same thing. And that one thing that you're, you're hitting at is your clear and compelling idea. Why does your business exist? Who is it for? And why should they hire you? And um, as opposed to just being visible, to me, that's the low hanging fruit of marketing. Um, as opposed to just being visible, we want to actually build influence. And the only way that you build influence is by finding a thousand ways to say the same thing. That's my perspective on it. I like, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I mean, and, and for all the after hours entrepreneurs out there, you're getting home at night, you're tired, and you're just starting to build something. You might not be 100% clear on your message now. You might start mm -hmm. it out like like Matt said, well, I did And then you kind of drone on for two, three pairs. That's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. But as long as you're continuously improving it, listening to the people that are engaged with you, you can continue improving it. I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm improving every day. It's not like mm -hmm. this. And that's one of the things you did with your, you actually rebranded your podcast a, a few, a few uh, years ago, a couple of years ago from the UX to mm -hmm. micro famous. So I just think that's a, a perfect example there. 
Um, mm-hmm, so, 100%. so listen, everyone, we're talking to Matt Johnson, the author of Microfamous, the host of Microfamous. Go check out Microfamous, and uh, Matt is going to provide you a ton of value there. Matt, before I let you go, I definitely got to get a few rapid-fire questions off here for you if, if you're okay. ready. Hit me. Okay, cool. So what is a must-have item that every podcaster should have that costs less than 50 bucks? <laughs> All right, I'm going to go way off the wall. Uh, these black post-it notes with, <laughs> with white ink. Okay. Uh, so, so you can see, um, you can't see like on the black wall behind me. So back by my keyboard, um, I, I started tracking everything with post-it notes, right? Uh, so, uh, the skills that I want to learn, I track the number of workouts. I track the number of cheat meals and snacks. Like everything is on a black post-it note. I also have like my goals. So the structure of the agency that I want and the financial goals and stuff like that, I used to have on these fluorescent post-it notes on my bathroom mirror. All on now it's all uniform. It's all black with white ink. They look fantastic. So that's my that's my tip. That's that's not just for podcasters, but for anybody. It's just a really cool way to um, to track things, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and it looks pretty slick. I think that's really smart. And that's something actually surprisingly that comes up a lot. It's putting a pen on paper. Um, yeah. You know, we get so caught up in digital, but putting pen on paper can be a really powerful way of pursuing your performance. That's a lot of, that's a lot of peas there. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's get, let's move on. What is a must have subscription in your life right now, Matt? Mm. I would say YouTube premium. I hate ads. I don't want to see anybody's ads ever. So I'll, I'll gladly pay the 10 bucks a month to not have to skip the ads on YouTube. It's surprising to me how long I put up with that crap. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm literally irritating myself about a hundred times a day by having to wait and sit through five seconds of an ad until like, like I literally would used to hover over the mouse and just click, 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 click. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I should gladly and happily pay YouTube $10 an hour to remove a hundred tiny frustrations from my day every single day. So yeah, I think that uh, that's my favorite subscription right now. I spend a lot of time, you know, like I consume probably more content on YouTube than I do Hulu, Netflix documentaries, anything like that. And uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's a good lesson because we put up with little things in our life all the time that we could easily remove with a investment of a few bucks. Uh, and I, I did that for a long time and just put up with those tiny frustrations that drain my energy when I could have just paid 10 bucks a month to have that energy, you know, back. Yeah. Really smart. Use your money to save time, save energy. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, I like that a lot. Uh, If you had 10 seconds with yourself 10 years ago, what would you say? I would slap myself and say, hire someone immediately. (laughs) Words of wisdom, (laughs) words of wisdom. I love that. I, I cannot empathize with that more. As soon as I started bringing on virtual assistants, my entire life changed. It's been Absolutely amazing. Uh, if you woke mm-hmm. up in the morning, Matt, and there was only one business task you could do for the day, what would you do? I would reach out to podcast hosts on LinkedIn and offer to introduce them to other strategic people in my network. By far, the best thing I've ever done for my business is just make strategic introductions something that we track. At one point, I tracked it like, and reported the numbers to my business coach. And I still send my coach a, a daily report every weekday. Um, and that was one of the things that we reported on for a long time until it was an ingrained habit. Like it is a habit for me to go into LinkedIn every day. Like you mentioned it earlier, return DMs mm-hmm. from people that we've connected with. You know, we do uh, various things. I've got a LinkedIn assistant who helps me with, you know, various things on LinkedIn. But the whole intent of what we both do on LinkedIn is to lead up to the ultimate thing, which is making introductions to other people that are strategic for both sides. That's been the thing that's really 
been super, super effective for me. Yeah. Being the host of the party. I like that. Um, Matt, final question here for you. If you had a billboard message that could reach millions and millions of people, what would you put on your billboard? Stop trying to be everything to everyone. Find the right people, become micro famous to them. There's just, there's, you know, we could, we could talk for hours upon hours upon all the very, very, very bad things that come from just not making the decision of who the right people are and, and focusing everything on them. Uh, all the good things that have happened in my life, the fact that the, uh, the agency runs in three to four hours a week, the fact that we don't have fires that need to be put out virtually ever. All of that stuff comes from the decision to focus on the right type of person and relentlessly, ruthlessly focus on them to the exclusion of everyone else and everything else that we could be doing. Um, the hardest thing is to say no, but it's actually really easy to say no when you know that you're saying no to the wrong person so that you can say yes to more of the right people. Matt said it. I agree with it. Check him out at the Micro Famous Podcast or pick up his book, Micro Famous. Matt, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Matt. He gave me a lot of different things to think about. And I think above all, that is what we want to be doing. We'd be considering new options, new ideas, listening to new people, and continuously evolving ourselves. If I have one challenge for you going to 2021, that is it. Challenge yourself, try something new, and who knows? Maybe one day you will be micro-famous. All right, I will chat with you very soon. You've been listening to After Hours Entrepreneur. I'm Mark Savant, signing off. Have a great one. Peace.